Welcome to the CondoVultures.com podcast with your host, Peter Zalewski, a Miami real estate broker, Wall Street consultant, and expert witness. This podcast is focused on identifying real estate buying opportunities in the South Florida condo market, Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. The CondoVultures.com podcast is not authorized by the South Florida real estate industry and will most likely annoy many of the region's talking heads. This podcast will feature straight talk and salty language that could be offensive to some. Please remember that part that past investment success does not determine future gains, especially in the South Florida's volatile condo market. For more information, please visit condovultures.com. Welcome to the Condo Vultures podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. I'm your host. This is podcast episode number 21. This is our Miami Real Estate and Economic Roundtable. What it is is basically a discussion by four current or former journalists about the latest headlines that have occurred within the last week. We basically go through six headlines that were handpicked by myself, and I get the journalists to basically talk about them, help you, you the audience, understand really why it's important and why this is something that ought to be on your radar. Who's the target market for these uh, th- this discussion? It's basically anybody who is involved in the software real estate industry. So, no, there's a lot of information crossing the transom. No, you're you're hearing about this, hearing about that. We're basically just trying to make it real easy for you to get an idea of what's really sort of important and what possibly could impact you, your business, and or your real estate. So, after we do our two segments that are dedicated to the top headlines, I then ask all the panelists to make a prediction, something that uh, they could see uh, or envision coming on the pike sometime in the near future. And then finally, we settle up the podcast with a comment section. We have three comments this particular week. A lot of people seem to have loved podcast number 20. Uh, if you stick around for the comment section, you'll get this, you'll hear some of the details about that. Now, if you have any suggestions, you have any criticisms, you have any um, compliments, you name it, we want to hear it. Uh, the best way to reach us is inquiry at condovultures.com. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y. And send us a comment. We'll go ahead and we'll read it on the air. We'll discuss it on the air. And, um, you know, we'll try to change the podcast to sort of, uh, you, you know, reflect kind of what the audience is asking for. So buckle up, sit back, and get ready to uh, learn a little bit and laugh a little bit about what's going on in the South Florida real estate um, market as well as the local economy. Enjoy. Are you a primary user or real estate investor who's in the market for a discounted South Florida condo? Are you searching in the markets of Greater Downtown Miami, Miami Beach north to Sunny Isles Beach, Hollywood north to Fort Lauderdale, or anywhere else east of I-95 in the Tri-County South Florida region? If so, the buyer brokers at Condo Vultures Realty are here to assist you. Condo Vultures Realty is a licensed Florida brokerage that was established in 2006 to assist educated buyers in identifying, negotiating, and purchasing units at a discounted price. To speak with a buyer broker at Condo Vultures Realty, please call 305-865-5859 or visit our website, condovulturesrealty.com. Welcome to the Condo Vultures Podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. I'm your host. This is episode number 21 in our podcast series. This is the Miami Real Estate and Economic Roundtable. It's a discussion by four current or former journalists kicking around the biggest headlines that have occurred within the last week. Why? Why are we telling you what headlines are important? Because there's so much information out there. You don't have enough time. You might not have seen everything the past sort of the transit. So we're going to try to give you some our, give you our perspective as to what's important. And the objective of this discussion is to uh, 
sort of speak to those who either own real estate in South Florida or are looking to invest in South Florida so you can get a sense of really what's going on on the ground rather than some of the big national headlines that are occurring out there. So who do we have on this week? We have Oscar Musabai. Oscar used to write about real estate in South Florida. He also used to write about the celebrities out in L.A. He decided to tone it down a little bit. He came back to Miami. Now he is a um, partner in a public relations marketing firm called Influence Communication. Oscar, how's it going? That's good. Let's go. <laughs> let's go let's go we have francisco alvarado francisco is a uh, i guess you call him a freelancer reporter he's basically a, a writer for hire investigative reporter out there busting balls been doing it for north of 20 years works from for everybody ranging from the florida bulldog which is an investigative organization to the to the daily beast to the miami real deal francisco how's it going pretty good pretty good doing great thank you very much Thank you for joining us, and uh, you're going to be one of our regular contributors, so uh, people need to get to know who you are because they're going to be hearing you on a regular basis going forward, so we're really excited about that. And then finally, we have John Fackler. John is a former reporter who wrote about white-collar crime. He also wrote about publicly traded companies that were based here in South Florida. John right now is in the process of um, paying attention. He's a birder, I guess is what they call it, bird watching. He's been tracking a lot of the birds that are going on in and around. (laughs) While he sort of sits back, he also realistically, what he does is he does public relations and marketing. He's a consultant. So, John, how's it going? Doing great. Doing great, Peter. Any any bird sightings uh, recently <laughs> that we should be familiar or aware of? Anything unique? No. <laughs> Nothing no yet. Sightings, no wild animal sightings. We're doing okay. That's fantastic. Everybody's on lockdown. Everybody's on lockdown. That's right. Absolutely. So, so gentlemen, um, I have a series of articles. We're going to try to keep this uh, podcast to an hour, which is, you know, sort of our perfect witching hour. Um, we're going to have two segments. First two segments are going to deal with the headlines. The next segment, well, I will ask you to make some predictions and um, I'm going to give a little foreshadowing here. One of our uh, panelists was able to make a prediction that's already come true and it looks like he's going to be accurate. And then finally, the fourth segment, we have some comments. Uh, we, we've actually received three comments to last week's podcast, and we're going to sort of kick that around. If you have any suggestions, you have any criticisms, you want to sort of uh, suggest something or, or, or criticize or, or, or tell us what we need to do to improve, uh, I encourage you to write an email to inquiry at condovultures.com. That's it inquiry at condovultures.com, I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. And last bit of housekeeping before we go um, uh, on to our discussion, uh, Apple Podcasts just picked us up, so now you can effectively pick up this podcast anywhere that you would normally get your podcast. So if you're not a subscriber, I'd encourage you to do so. Why? Because we do these roundtables on Tuesdays, and then we do a guest, guest interview on Thursday. So rules of engagement have been laid out, as well as everybody should keep in mind, we might use some salty language. Hope you're not offended by it. If you are offended by it, you know, fuck off. No problem. Sorry about that. So let's get going. Headline number one, and this is why I love doing the pod, the roundtable on a Monday. Why is that? Because a lot of news tends to break on Monday. Um, and the headline that I think caught everybody's attention uh, today is there was a press conference by the mayor of Miami-Dade County, Carlos Jimenez, as well as many of the muckety-mucks in the medical field in Miami-Dade County talking about what was going on with COVID. If people haven't seen it, basically on Sunday, which was July 20, uh, July 12th, over 15,000 cases, uh, new cases of COVID-19 were confirmed and reported in the state of Florida, which actually surpassed what we have in, in New York. So Miami-Dade County took a, had a press conference today, and uh, one of the experts said, and, and it, basically Miami's a new coronavirus epicenter, just as Wuhan 
in China, once was. The source of the story is Local 10 News, which is basically the ABC affiliate down here in Miami. So uh, who wants well, to take that? Who wants to talk about it? Are we Wuhan um, <laughs> about the Latin style version of it? Well, I, I, if you don't mind, I'll take it first because uh, I, I actually, uh, you know, uh, paid attention to that press conference. And it was um, it was uh, Lillian Abel, University of Miami Health System infectious disease physician. Okay. Where she said specifically, Miami is now the epicenter, epicenter of the pandemic. What we were seeing in Wuhan months ago, we are there now. Oh. Um, and she basically was, you know, blaming it on people, just simply ignoring, you know, everything we're supposed to be doing, like wearing masks, social distancing, and staying at home. You know, if we really don't need to be going out. Um, and it's like basically, like you know, nobody's. In their opinion, nobody's nobody's following the rules. Nobody cares. Everybody's you know you know you know self self absorbed, self interested, and not you know and think that this thing is just gonna like either go away or we're all gonna like reach herd immunity. And and and, and the quote that you refer uh, the, the quote is. The reason for the spike is us. There's no boogeyman. The reason is us. We have to change our behavior. The number one reason is our behavior. And Correct. that's going. Yep. Yeah. That was that. That was the number. That was like you know like that's what. Um, and she wasn't alone in saying that. Um, Carlos Migoya, president and CEO of um, Jackson Health System, also mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, made comments to that effect. That you know that he basically he basically used the words you have people who are aggressively yes. saying they don't have to wear a mask. And don't have to do social distancing. So I mean, so imagine if that's the attitude we're, you know, we're running into. It's it's really no surprise when you look at it. And, and John, John, you had predicted a couple of weeks back that you thought that um, Florida as well as Miami Dade County might be going on lockdown. Um, what what do you, what do you say now? How much how much worse do you think this is going to get? Boy, I'll tell you. After what happened uh, this weekend, I, I really think that's where we're heading. As long as the governor stays out of it. Um, I think they're going to shut it down. I really do. I mean, I just can't. Uh, it's ironic that uh, ironic that Francisco mentioned earlier about uh, you know Miami being such a self-absorbed uh, city. Let's face it, it is. Um, I'm sure adding you know to a lot of these issues and problems, but um, that be as you know what it is. I think we're gonna, we're heading for a shutdown, and as long as the governor and the president doesn't stick their noses in it. Well, speak, talking about sticking your nose in it, I mean, uh, President Trump was down here last week. He was in Miami-Dade County, the place which has, which is effectively the epicenter of COVID throughout the entire United States, and he wasn't wearing a mask. Oscar, is it possible that he might have caught it down here and is taken back up to D.C.? Wouldn't that be ironic? It would be ironic, but I would be surprised if that happened because so far, even though a bunch of his people have gotten sick, including Secret Service and advanced people and even his son's girlfriend has gotten COVID that he's been, he hasn't gotten it. So it would be, it would be a surprise if, if he contracted it. Yeah. Well, and talk about contracting it. You know, I ran some numbers real quick um, based on what they said. There were another 12,600 cases reported today in uh, Florida. And again, yesterday, which was Sunday, today is Monday. Today was 12,600 yesterday, which was Sunday, 15,300. So I ran some real quick numbers based on today's uh, reporting. And there's now 121,000 cases in the Tri-County, South Florida area, which is Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach County. 67,700 cases are in uh, Miami-Dade. Broward has nearly 31,500 cases in Palm Beach County, 21,800. So if you take the number, guys, 
282,000 throughout the state of Florida. You got 121,000 just in the Tri-County area. Wow. That is, I mean, the numbers, those numbers are mind boggling. Um, it just seems like, um, you know, I, I just don't even know how you, how you tackle this at this point. Right. Other than, than a full shutdown. Full uh, shutdown, man. And what, what, the, sorry. Yeah. The death rate is what we could be extremely uh, scrutinized, should be scrutinizing extremely carefully because the people who are pushing back on the idea that this is uh, easily contracted are have been saying that the mortality rates, and even the governor has been pointing to the mortality rate as a kind of panacea, you know, that Oh, yeah, well, it's younger people. The president has been saying, oh, it's younger people, 99%. All these numbers that are that he's pulling out of his ass. Right? And now the mortality is going up, which is what Fauci and others said, that it takes like two weeks that the uh, infection rate and hospitalization rate is, uh, is going to be the first thing we see. And then two weeks later, we're going to start seeing the deaths go up. And that's exactly what's going on. So, right. It's frightening because it's so obvious. It's two plus two equals four. These people have been saying something completely different. They might as well believe in flat earth and any other fantasy, you know, that the sun revolves around the earth. I mean, what else do we have left than people who completely ignore science for political reasons, for political reasons? That's the part that is so extremely disturbing and that all these people buy into. You see video after video after video of people who are caught in a place that is public, like Costco, not wearing a mask. And when they're asked nicely to put on a mask, they freak out, man. Yep. They freak yep. out. I mean, that's the level of delusion and insanity that is going on in this country. And we used to consider ourselves the greatest country in the world. And other countries look to us now and they laugh and they, they're like poor, poor America because... We're the laughing stock of the of the of the world. Our numbers Agreed. are higher than anywhere, and they were higher before this, and now they're even worse. It's just I cannot even imagine how upside down this world is. And there are a bunch of people in this country, about forty percent, that still think that the job that Trump is doing is a good job. And the- okay, okay, if I could stop you there, Oscar, let yeah. me tell you who's somebody who thinks that Trump is doing a good job. Yeah. This comes from CNBC. Headline, as markets wipe out 2020 losses, let me repeat that. As right. markets wipe out 2020 losses, these stocks are the biggest winners from the March bottom. So effectively, stops have come all the way back from where we were in March when everybody got shocked. Now the investors are saying, you know, screw it. This is all past us. Now's the time to get in. Why? Because the stock market's anticipating six months in the future. Frank, is that bullshit? Uh, do, you, do, you, do you think these investors are getting ahead of themselves? Are these day traders on Robinhood? Using the app with five hundred dollars, they're buying all the stocks they want. They think they're going to go up, or or is this real? Um, you know, money people who are getting in and, and placing their bet now because they think the worst is behind us. Hey, what, what, what I, do you think? I, I, I think all the money people have have pulled out their money and <laughs> they're going to be on the sidelines waiting for this thing to crash so they can come in and and you know and and do the whole you know and come in and get into the carcasses. I mean, come on. I mean, like anybody, it's, I mean, this is, I mean, this is a, this is a fantasy what's going on with Scott, with, with, with Wall Street right now. I, I mean, it's like, I, I just don't see how this lasts. I just don't see it. Don't see it. All right. So let me give you some context of the piece. 
The S&P 500 went briefly positive for the year on Monday. Let me repeat that. Briefly positive for the year 2020 S&P on Monday, thanks to historic and mystifying (laughs) mystifying comebacks for stocks from the depth of the coronavirus market. And this is the key part, I think. The 500 stock index, which is the S&P 500, has surged nearly 50% from its low March 23rd when stocks plummeted due to fast-spreading deadly coronavirus, unprecedented fiscal and monetary stimulus has helped stocks regain their levels from the start of the year, along with the hopes of coronavirus vaccine and major gains in big technology shares also aiding the, uh, the gains. John, you've seen a lot of stuff. You've been around probably longer than the rest of us. Uh, is somebody smoking uh, legalized marijuana or, or do they, well, does the market know something we don't know that we're experiencing here in the epicenter of COVID-19? I'm very glad you asked this question. Um, <laughs> I was actually watching uh, CNBC when the market started to tank. Uh, they brought an analyst on who gave a really interesting take on what's going on right now. And okay. um, just to, just wanted to make a note that the reason why uh, I was watching the TVs because I've got a lot of free time on my hand. I don't have a book of business like Oscar does. So, oh yeah, <laughs> that's right, buddy. <laughs> but. This analyst came on, an Indian gentleman, was talking about he's really predicting a serious tanking uh, going forward of the economy and the market. His reason for this was, you know, when California did this shutdown this late in the afternoon um, before market closed, everything shut down. They, you know, the school district, San Diego, L.A., they shut that down. They, the governor shut down any, any interior operational uh, businesses, you know, restaurants, et cetera. And he said... This analyst said that what's different this time is that the first time it was it was looked at as temporary, you okay. know, that people would have to shut down and bring things back up to speed. But now he thinks a lot of these businesses, because of this new shutdown, are not going to come back, and that's going to really tank the economy. I, and I, by I, the way, by I the know, way, but, by but, the way, but but the stocks are up. By the way, he, by the way, he was ta- he also um, mentioned even though this was California phenomenon, he mentioned both Texas and Florida, so. Okay. Peter, it's a pump. It's a pump and dump scheme, Peter. It's a pump and dump scheme. Yes. Okay, I yes. can understand that. Pump and dump. Well, 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 Frank. Uh, Frank, you should know. John used to work in a boiler room in Long Island, so that's probably why he's doing the cha cha cha, not answering our question. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to help. Happy to help. What, 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 what say you, Oscar? Well, it's possible that this, these, um. Uh, these pushes by Wall Street are, again, another lagging indicator of what's coming because there's no way that Wall Street can continue based on recent evidence, right? When the states were closing, the markets went down. Then there was this push to reopen everything. The markets went up. And now we're heading in the opposite direction again. We're, we're looking to close things again. So I think that the market's going to go down again. As John predicted, he predicted a, a W kind of market recovery. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going through right now. So I think that the markets are going through a rally that will change soon because every normal indicator of how the market, how the economy is doing is pointing to a downward, uh, a decline of the stock market. There's no other way to view it. Yeah, yeah, but Oscar, Oscar, um, uh, Major League Soccer 
Miami lost again. Major League yes. Soccer debuted. When was it? Saturday, Sunday. There's a game tonight. A uh, game on Tuesday this week. Right. Uh, NHL playoffs is beginning. Major League Baseball is two weeks away. The NBA is getting ready to launch its business. So, are we? What, what are we to read from that? If sports are going on, I mean, isn't sport sort of the? Uh, that's the benefit of living in a uh, civilized world that you can sit back and watch the sports and care about that more than maybe anything else. So, Brett Romberg, who's a former. Uh, who is a UM Hall of Famer and also a former NFL player. And he's on a, a video cast at Community Newspapers. He was saying today he doesn't think the NFL will play a single game this year because there's absolutely no way that you can control exposure by these players. You know, look at the NBA bubble. Apparently, they're already talking about, you know, people trying to get into that bubble, specifically – he claimed there were Instagram models who were trying to get into the bubble to keep these uh, players busy in more than one way. Because how can you expect, you know, young people and, and adults to be able to stay in these places without any kind of familial activity, activity? even in jails? And John probably knows a lot about that. <laughs> even in jails, you get some kind of visit from your family if you know what i'm saying from your wife but, your but, but what is this what, what is this bubble i keep hearing about a bubble and, and to me i thought it was just you know they were referring to an area where unless you're a certain type and you've been tested you can't actually access it but but what, what do you mean by bubble so well, the oh go ahead go ahead well i'm sorry i was in i didn't mean to no, interrupt, no. interrupt oscar right. but go ahead. Go ahead. my understanding is that basically the bubble is where i mean like you know where the, in the you know like the media, the uh-huh. players, the players, I mean, the, the team staff, the team representatives, everybody's going to go in this bubble. And once you're in that bubble, you're not going to leave that bubble. Okay. So, so it's almost like um, it would, uh, let's put it in terms of maybe I can, or maybe the crowd can, uh, the audience can understand. So would that, would that be the equivalent, like say back in the day during the uh, Iraqi war, um, you had the green zone. So it was like this little, this little, area that was partitioned out and nobody could really uh, gain access, something like that? Or is it actually a physical bubble? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, no, it's not, a, it's definitely not a physical bubble. Oh, I mean, it's like, not yeah, a bubble. I mean, okay. I mean, okay. I mean, it's, I mean, like, it's, I mean, yeah. And, 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 you know, I guess the green zone might be a good, you know, a good comparison or analogy, but, but it might be, I would say it's probably even a little more stricter in the sense that, again, I mean, like, you know, I think I think Iraqi citizens could still move in and out of the green zone. Yep. Um, yep. I don't think regular citizens will be able to enter this NBA bubble uh, yep. unless unless they're authorized to be there uh, as an employee or member of the press or uh, a team representative. But 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 don't don't these people have to leave at night, especially if they're employees? Don't don't they have? To, I mean, say well, they, they live in Orlando. You know, aren't they commuting to work, or are they actually get? Well, no, no. I mean, what, I mean, what the understanding is, I mean, they're, they're going to be staying at one of the, you know, like, one of the resorts. Uh, oh wow! They're all, yeah, they're all going to be staying at one of the. I mean, I, th- I don't even think it's one of the resorts. I think they've got like maybe a couple of the whole three or four hotels. I have to check. Yeah. But they're all. I mean, like they've they've set it up so that they're everybody has to go to a hotel within the, the you know the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> Literally, the Magic Kingdom. Interesting. Okay, well, guys, why don't we take our first commercial but, uh, break? We're- but, you know, even oh. with all those precautions, I mean, before we go to the commercial break, I mean, yep. I mean, just today, Russell Westbrook, which is, you know, one of the biggest NBA stars, uh, says he had he said he had to go into quarantine because he's got COVID. 
So, you know, I mean, I, th- I mean, this is part of the problem is that people, you know, they're, right. they're still going to be getting, you know, infected before they even go in there. And, oh, wow. And so it's going to be, it's going to be real. Some, it's really going to be something to see, you know, if, if this, you know, NBA season really goes off without a hitch, as far as like, you know, the, you know, this, this hybrid of a playoff uh, season. Interesting point. Interesting. Okay, so let, let's take a commercial break. We'll pick it up on the other side. You're listening to the Condo Vultures podcast. On the other side of the break, we're going to bring up some other headlines. We're going to ask our uh, panel to uh, provide their input. So stay tuned. Don't buy a South Florida condo discounted or distressed before taking a Condo Vultures correction tour. CondoVultures.com offers weekly bus and walking tours that focus on educating buyers on the how-tos of identifying discounted condos, analyzing the opportunities, and purchasing units. Every tour attendee receives a list of all condo projects in a particular market, a market assessment handout, and unmatched expert analysis. For more information on the condo correction tours, please visit condovultures.eventbrite.com or call 305-865-5859. Welcome back to the Condo Vultures podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. This is our panel discussion. Who do we have uh, discussing the biggest headlines of last week? We have Francisco Alvarado. We have Oscar Musabai and we have John Fackler. So, guys, before we went to the commercial break, we were talking about this bubble. And anybody who is wondering, it's not a physical bubble. It's actually some sort of area that's off limits to uh, most others who don't like sort of meet the criteria. But, but Oscar, I think you found some information so you can explain it to us. So what exactly is a bubble? Yeah, so this is from USA Today, and it says the resort, which is referring to Walt Disney World, the resort's 220-acre ESPN-wide world of sports complex has more than a dozen practice courts and enough game-quality courts to play and broadcast three games at once, though that's not currently planned. And then there's one more section. It says, family and guests will not be welcomed to the resort until the seeding games and first round of the playoffs are completed. So this is sort of like an NBA camp. Got it. Where all the players go to these hotels and then they play the games at Wide World of Sports there, the ESPN facility. Yep. Yeah, that's what's going on. All right, so let's talk about a Wild World of Sports figuratively. Um, this is the next headline. It comes out of uh, NBC6 out of Miami. Headline, Fame Clevelander Hotel on South Beach closes over COVID-19 concerns. Wow. Why is that important? Well, the Cleveland got a lot of attention uh, back in the day. Uh, ESPN had its uh, sort of bar set up over there. Everybody would come through, music videos, movies, everything was sort of shot there. These guys have voluntarily shut it down before the, uh, the, um, uh, the government has forced them to do so. Guys, are we going to see more uh, businesses, whether it's restaurant or anything else, just saying, you know what, enough's enough. We're going to wait till this stuff clears uh, before we go ahead and, and get things rocking and rolling? And and if so, is it a prudent decision? Wow. Somebody jump okay, in? Okay, yeah, I'll, take, I'll tackle it. Okay. Um, uh, Francisco here. Uh, guys, I think, I mean, with the Clevelander, I think uh, part of the part of that decision is also what's going on in Ocean Drive right now. I don't know if you guys... Uncensored Facebook page. Okay. And and it's it's really like it basically it's it's turned into like spring break during the summer. Wow. <laughs> it's uh you have people like drinking in the streets, dancing in the streets. Uh, it's you have these restaurants that um that you know are really just serving alcohol 
with you know with, I'm guessing minimal food consumption. And so, apparently, and apparently, like there's there's really no enforcement um, uh, as far as like you know getting you know these restaurants to conform to the rules uh, until until you know until it's got gotten out of hand. There was one place called the Voodoo Lounge that you know I don't know if you heard guys heard about that place, but that place yeah. got shut down about a week and a half ago because the code violations were just out of control. So, um, so, so Francisco, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the city of Miami Beach actually close down Ocean Drive so restaurants could then take over the road? They could spread out the tables and they could try to generate yeah. some revenue. Yeah, they did do that. They started, and then um, about a week ago, they decided to open up one lane to traffic and okay. basically and basically made it tighter. So now everybody's confined to an even smaller space, and oh. then on top of that, you have a, a lane of, tr- of cars, you know, cruising Ocean Drive. Because yeah. you know Ocean Drive, nobody nobody moves in Ocean Drive. They cruise no. Ocean Drive. So it's created this, you know, it's just created this real clusterfuck of a situation uh, between cars that are just cruising by, people that are walking uh, the pedestrian, you know, the extended pedestrian area. Um, and, you know, people in the restaurants, again, I mean, the res- I mean, obviously the restaurants and I'm pretty sure they're selling food, but the majority of the time they're, it's more, you know, alcohol consumption than it is food consumption. I, Oscar, you, you actually live in Miami, in South beach. Uh, you have a condo there. Uh, what are you seeing? Is this, is ocean drive an anomaly or is that pretty much, um, uh, a sign of what's happening in, um, Miami beach just in general, all hell seems to be breaking loose. I think off of Ocean Drive, there's much more, maybe it's, uh, you know, like uh, crowd uh, incentive to wear masks and eat food and things like that. Ocean Drive has always been a tourist and party destination. So maybe that's why I think it's an anomaly. And, And the fact that, as you said, the city closed the streets so that people could put tables out into the street in front of the restaurant for social distancing, <laughs> not, right. not, not, for social not, distancing. Not, not for a beer garden. <laughs> exactly. No, but right now, Florida is just stunning. Miami beach is stunning, right? So it rains for five minutes and then you got beautiful blue sky when you drive five miles down the road or up the road. Yeah. And I, it's, I mean, I, I, I think generally people are probably, thinking that if they're out in the open air, they're less likely to catch it because... Plus it's hot. Plus it's hot. So, and it's hot. yeah, exactly. Plus, so you can see why yeah, people are so doing it. So it's, it's, it's going to be hard to manage that unless you shut it down. But I don't think it should be shut down unless there is evidence that people are, are catching it there extensively well, and that they're not being responsible. Well, 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 well John, John, here, here's why I raise the issue. So we're, we're, we're joking about shut it down, COVID, all this type of stuff. Today, Carlos Magoya, during, and he runs Jackson Hospital, which is the large um, hospital, the public hospital in Miami-Dade County. He came on uh, the press conference, and he basically said that Jackson's hospital beds uh, for the intensive care units are about 90% in hospital world or hospital terms. That means they're at uh, capacity. They're at capacity. Wow. They don't have enough nurses, stuff like that. So these little situations could ultimately turn into people being in ICUs, places like that. And what happens if you catch it and you got no hospital you can go to? Well, what some people are doing is they're going to Broward County, where there's more hospital beds available than there are in Dade County. What uh, what's your take on that, John? Um, yeah, that that's a I guess that's a short term fix, but I I you know eventually 
my understanding is the numbers in the Tri-County uh, were terrible over the weekend. Uh, it's not just Miami Dade, but Broward's getting hit uh, pretty bad too. Palm Beach as well. So, and, you know, and like I said on the stats, remember two hundred eighty-two thousand cases in the state of Florida. Forty-three percent are in Tri-County, Miami Dade, yeah. Broward, Palm Beach County. Yeah. No, I mean it's you know, like I said, eventually the all all the Tri-County beds are going to be filled. So, then what do you do then? You know. Well, I'll tell you what you do then. You buy real estate. Buy real <laughs> estate. What are you talking about? Miami Real nice Deal. Segue. Miami Real Deal. Headline, pandemic slam breaks on nearly half of would-be home buyers, according to the survey. But a new rent cafe survey found that Generation Z and millennials were more optimistic about making a purchase within the next five years. Let me read the lead to you. The coronavirus has upended pretty much everything, so it's no surprise that nearly 45% of renters who were looking to buy a home say the pandemic has delayed or derailed those plans. Younger would-be buyers still have hope, though. The older ones, not so much. John, you're a little bit older. Do you have hopes of buying a place, and are you going to go out and look uh, for a place? <laughs> um, I think I mentioned this in previous uh, sessions, previous podcasts. I, I, you know, I've owned several places. I've owned a home. I've owned condos. And uh, I, I tend to be more comfortable in this current situation being totally off-grid, you know, just – watching and sitting back and, you know, pouncing when the time is right. But, uh, you know, I'm not saying I'll never own another place, but I, I don't feel comfortable making that move. I feel more comfortable just, you know, laying, laying, laying in the weeds, so to speak. And talk about laying in the weeds. I, I Oscar, you have a condo. If you wanted to sell your condo, 45% of the buyer would be buyers are now off the table. Um, what does that say to you as a homeowner? I mean, I'm not, I'm not interested in selling. So I, I'm not concerned. However, I think it is a a good sign that millennials and that younger generation are interested in buying. And with interest rates being so low, there's a lot of incentive to do that. So while I'm not interested, I see good, you know, positive signs that the buying market is still going to be steady and reliable and sustainable over the next few years. Hey, Oscar, I got a question for you. Yeah, hit me. What jobs do these millennials have that will allow them to afford the house in Miami? I mean, my guess. Can they, what jobs can <laughs> they access? No, I think a lot of them are working in tech and in startups and in, um, you know, businesses. Really? Yeah, that are entrepreneurial. And I think they will be able to, um, to, to, generate enough cash if the interest rates are low enough, especially since the federal well, we, government... Well, you know, when you're talking about interest rates being low enough, but, you know, a big factor in, in home buying is, you know, your income. Uh, right. And, um, you know, if if you don't got the right income, you're never going to get a mortgage. I mean, right. that's, that's the reality here. So, um, and, and I mean, I, I mean I, I'm sorry to disagree with you, but I mean, I, I don't think there's enough tech or startup jobs here that would support that kind of, you know, that would support millennials you know, being able to afford a home. Um, I mean, so, I mean, there are, I we're, agree. We're, you know, we're in a situation where like everybody's still working service related jobs. That's right. Down here. Right. But there are, so you have low interest rates and you also have programs that are designed for first time home buyers that accommodate all kinds of issues related to, um, you know, the challenges of being a, a first time home buyer, which is maybe your salary is not as high, but right now 
in terms of looking for opportunities to buy homes, the factors that you would normally have to deal with to do that are very positive because interest rates are very low and uh, there are these programs and people are getting stimulus checks. So, yes, I hear what you're saying. I think there are going to be challenges, but we know for a fact that the, the real estate market has had a lot of activity recently. And again, that doesn't yeah, but, okay. But who's buying? I mean, that's a good question. I, I don't know who's buying. Well, this, uh, this sounds like another red her- herring, uh, much like Ocean Drive, uh, Oscar touting Ocean Drive, which I believe has been going. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again about Ocean Drive. I can't remember. Right? You know, you had all these. Go ahead. Well, you were, you were talking up Ocean Drive, you know, how wonderful it is. Right. But, um, I, I just saw it going sideways before sure. the pandemic. I mean, it was just a lot of places closing, a lot of, uh, you know, rioting in the streets, basically. Rioting in the um, streets. You know, in, well, I'm, 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 I would I'm, say more twerking in the streets. There, <laughs> there's more twerking in the streets. Yeah, twerking, yeah. yes. Or falling down, maybe. <laughs> twerking, yes. Passing yes. out in the streets. But, I, you know, I, I, listen, I appreciate the effort, but that was a red herring, I thought. About Ocean Drive? Yeah. yeah, I don't think you know what a red herring means. Oh, okay, maybe you're right. <laughs> because I don't know what you're saying. All I said about Ocean Drive is that I don't think they should shut it down until they can find evidence that people are contracting it specifically because they're in places that are open that way. And, I mean, it's one thing to say that there's there's a lot of people drinking on Ocean Drive, and it's another thing to say that it is a direct cause of an increase in hospitalizations or deaths mm-hmm. we don't have that evidence you can well, make an assumption but there's no evidence of that well well and well, I think, uh, sorry sorry well, about francisco um well i just want to just like you know like i don't want to keep beating this dead horse but i, I think you made a, a good point there oscar um the issue with ocean drive is like i mean as far as like what's going on there and from what people are complaining about it's not so much about they're not complaining that people aren't social distancing. They're not complaining that people aren't wearing masks. They're complaining that the crowd is too rowdy, and they're complaining that it's you know out of control. Um, yeah, that so, I understand. So, so that's where um, you know, like that's where the so like you have two situations. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's really funny that you know, you, you know, there are people that you know like oh, you know, like they're not they're not they're not mad that you know that they're. they're that we're creating a situation where we might be spreading more of the virus. They're more mad <laughs> that the crowd is getting too rowdy. And, and, and I mean, I'm worried because there there's definitely a problem if everyone's jammed up against each other, but we're talking about a, a street that is open now. And that is, you know, cordoned off so that, tables can be on the street and people can walk around and do whatever i don't think it's like a phone party where everybody's jammed up against each other and uh you know there's 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 no social distancing i can't say without a doubt because i'm not there all the time i i rarely go to ocean drive when i go it's during the day and i don't go at night so i don't know what's going on there but uh, my concern or one of my bigger concerns is that uh, businesses were allowed to reopen under certain metrics, and that included allowing tables to be set up outside. In fact, in California, they were just saying absolutely no indoor seating, no movie houses open anymore. And the circumstance that we're talking about right now is tables 
in the air, open air, basically on the sidewalk and potentially on part of the street and people walking around, whether they have masks or not. I don't know. But Ocean Drive is one of the main drivers of tourism in Miami, Miami Beach, in Florida as a whole. It's a major international destination. And it's an enormous part of our image, our economy. And if that is shut down, and it may need to be, if that is shut down, it's going to be a, a very huge blow to our market. And, and, and you know, name brands like the Cleveland, you know, yeah. I'm thinking about that as a brand. Yep. Yeah, uh, that's a that's huge, just, huge you know, psychological hit right there, the Clevelander, absolutely. because everybody knows the Clevelander. Yeah, so that yeah. could be the canary in the coal mine here where. You know, everybody says, you know what, this is just we, we can't wait anymore. We just got to close everything down. That may happen. I hope that's not the case, but it may be. Yeah. I mean, 15,000 cases in one day. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Well, what, what also is unbelievable is that apparently it's not just the restaurants where people are starting to get a little bit um, ornery and stores where they're getting ornery. They're getting pissed off at their offices as people are being forced to go back into the office. Oh, yeah. Now you got yeah. some uh, struggle going on between. The co-workers. So this comes out of the Wall Street Journal headline is offices reopen amid co- uh, coronavirus workers clash over masks, cubicle barriers and Lysol subhead. Tensions are rising inside offices as workers argue <laughs> over COVID-19 protections. She was so close. I could smell her gum. Air quotes. One of the people quoted in the piece says. <laughs> guys, guys, everybody's working at home now. Everybody's yeah. Zooming. What's going to happen once we go back to the office, if we do go back to the office? And what happens if we go back before the vaccine? Is that just going to be another battleground? Is this going to be like uh, the movie Gladiators? where Basically, everybody's thrown in the ring and it's, a, you know, f- uh, the survival of the fittest. Yeah. I, I really think it all depends on, you know, who the, you know, the, uh, the people in executive positions of whatever company you work for. I mean, if you have a if you have a, a company CEO who's very serious about you know preventing the spread, mm-hmm. but you know has to like bring everybody back to the office. Uh, I you know I'm, I'm sure the CEO will take initiative and say, hey, if you're going to be in here, you got to wear your mask. Yeah, yep. you know you got to social distance and and you got to that's it. You got to follow the rules. And the same way, it's going to be the same way if it's if it's a CEO that thinks that this is all blown out of proportion. They're going to like. You know, they're not going to take it seriously and they're going to have issues with employees, um, you know, who do take it seriously. You know, you know, I guess, you know, duking it out in the parking lot. It, but it's funny you mentioned that article. I, I don't know if I saw an article or if it was an ad for something, but I know there was something I saw over the weekend where basically there's this company that um, is selling lanyards uh, okay. with different colored, um, you know, things that you wrap around your neck. You know, the one is green and it symbolizes, you know, an employee that is still cool with shaking hands and fist bumps and hugging it out. Wow. Yellow, yellow would be for, you know, somebody who is, you know, in between, you know, that, you know, like want, you know, like is willing to talk to you, but is, you know, still wants to keep their distance. And then red is somebody who is, you know, doesn't want you to approach them at all. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what we need to do. It kind of sounds like kindergarten, but I guess that's the only way we're going to solve this issue. Uh, wow. I, I, Oscar, just just because um, uh, John was talking about your book and business when your publication marketing site, have you actually yeah. seen? Have you seen any clients in person since uh, March when this whole thing broke? 
And if so, um, uh, was it any different than, than before other than, say, a mask and a social distance? Were there anything or any little nuances that might have changed? Yes. One of my clients is a supermarket, and they have been involved in food giveaways, okay. large food giveaways in many different places with a lot of different groups mm-hmm. and that have been partners. And what we did was we wore masks in some cases, gloves, and we did the work. We were in open air. It wasn't like you were inside of a supermarket yeah. except for, except for one case, but that was when people were shopping and I wore a mask and everybody else was wearing a mask as well. So, I mean, we've accommodated to uh, circumstances and we're, we're doing as much as we can as carefully as we can. And, and our client is doing the same and we are, uh, you know, being as, as responsible as possible. So um, I think everyone's doing the same. I will say this, that as scared as people are about going back to work, and there are many people in this country, particularly in low paying jobs, like, you know, chicken factories and different yep. animals, the meat uh, processing, yep. Mm-hmm. The meat processing. Um, I can tell you that my kids are preparing to deal with going back to school in the next few weeks. And um, one of my kids will not go back because he has an immune issue and he'll he'll do virtual. And my other son is going to at least for for the uh, start of school will be returning to school. But I spoke to the principal and it's going to be a he thinks at a half capacity and that could be even less um, cramped because in reality, we don't know what those numbers are going to be. So that's an even scarier situation because the president is is basically telling everybody they have to reopen. And DeSantis is saying going back to school is like going to Walmart and uh, which tells you how disconnected our leadership, specifically in Florida, which got us to this point in the first place. You're, you're, you're talking about Florida is. Governor Ron DeSantis. OK, that's right. That's right. So um, our children and, and for many people are are, you know, our treasures and to push people in that direction and, and basically say that you are going to be forced to send your kids back to school is not a, a viable strategy to lead a state or a country. And fortunately in Miami-Dade County, we have the option of doing virtual school next year and that's what one of my at least one of my kids is going to do and, and i know and I, I, oscar oscar, to, I, oscar yeah. what what does virtual school mean in the state of florida so this is the way it's been outlined and and we're gonna have to figure it out as we go along okay but in the second you know basically from march till uh till may i believe when school is closed my son participated in a couple of hours every day of school with his class. So all the kids would be on zoom or some other um, video conferencing kind of situation. And the teacher would teach and he would answer questions and everything that only lasted roughly two hours a day. And then they did all their homework, you know, online or in their books or whatever. But for the fall, the idea is that some kids are going to be in the class. Some kids are going to be there virtually watching the teacher on a screen. Okay. And, you know, and then I guess they'll figure out a third option if that's necessary. But uh, that's the reality of 
and the complexity of what schooling is going to be like in just a few weeks and the infrastructure for doing work using zoom and all that yep. has has at time <clears throat> at times blown out you know the bandwidth that you have at your house yep. and and the zoom shuts down <laughs> or you can't hear or whatever yep. so you can imagine tens of thousands of kids in in schools all over the county having to do this and what effect it's going to have on the tech infrastructure that these schools have it's going to be massive now on the other side of that coin maybe it'll create a bunch of jobs for tech people that will allow millennials to buy my house when i finally put it on the market <laughs> frank <laughs> um what do you want sorry what do you want to ask me i'm sorry i apologize no, no, no. What, I was, what i was saying is i know it's not that important but what I was saying is that because every, all these kids are going to go back to school and a lot of them are going to stay at home and, and <laughs> virtually that it's probably going to generate a lot of new jobs for tech and that all those millennials that you said we're not going to be making any money and unable to buy houses will now be able to buy <laughs> houses, including mine. Well, that's if they all get in. That's if they all go into tech. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And and John, our our last uh, let me, let me have you comment on our last story of um, this particular segment. Um, we were talking about rents. We were talking about uh, how how are people going to pay their rents once all of the government stimulus program, especially the unemployment, uh, uh, comes or ends at the end of this month, which is July. So it looks like Miami Dade County. And this is out of the real deal. This is Catherine Collier. Just as you all know, Catherine's one of our regular. Yep. Uh, panelists. So uh, headline is Miami Dade approves $10 million emergency rent relief program, eligible household income limited to 80% of the area's median income. So basically the county is going to help people. They're going to divvy out about $10 million <laughs> in emergency um, uh, relief. And what does it take to get some of it? To qualify, a renter's household income cannot exceed 80% of the area median income as determined by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. 80% of the uh, uh, area median income for one person uh, household is $51,200. Is that a good idea, John, that the county's handing out money for uh, rent? Yeah, I think this is a good idea. We, we talked a bit about this the last uh, podcast. What happens if, and uh, we're getting you know real close to, the, uh, to that if moment with the July 30th being the unemployment cutoff for the federal funds. Um, people are just going to be, it's going to hit people like a, you know, right in the face. I mean, it's like, okay, we depending on this money, it's not coming in. What do we do? I mean, there's already talk about people getting kicked out people, you know, homeless people, you know, that were previously renting. Um, so this is a good short term fix, I think. Um, but it doesn't sound like a lot of money. Maybe well, I'm, you know, well, well, and, and let me add to it. So Catherine's story also goes on to say back in May, Miami beach commission, they doled out 550 grand for the same type of concept. Then you got the city of Miami handing out 6.9 million, and in overall, the state of Florida, around Governor DeSantis, he announced that they're going to tap into 250 million dollars in CARES Act for rental and mortgage assistance. So it sounds like the governments are all trying to hand out some cash to keep renters yeah. in their in their places. Or Frank, are are the governments trying to hand out cash so the tenants pay the landlord? who ultimately has to pay the property taxes, which are going to begin coming due in November. And as we all know, government in Florida relies heavily on property taxes to be paid. Yeah, I, I would say it's the latter. Uh, you know, the, you know they're one of the government officials want to make sure that renters can pay their landlords. 
and landlords can pay their mortgages and their property taxes and that any disruption to, to that model is minimal as possible. And Oscar, you, you guys, you're going to be paying your property taxes? 100%. I mean, you got to pay your taxes. <laughs> you, you're going to pay them early and get the discount in November, or are you going to wait yeah. until they're due in April? No, 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 no. It's going to be spread out over the year. As <laughs> There's no way I can pay that kind of money in advance. Okay, so you, so you actually have it taken out along the way. Okay, that, that makes yeah. sense. So, yeah. so, guys, why don't we shut down this segment, and we're going to go into our prediction phase. Is, is everybody cool with that? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so you're, li- you're listening to Kind of Vultures podcast. On the other side of the break, we're going to ask the panel to all make a prediction about what's going to come forward. And also, too, we're going to uh, shine some light on somebody who predicted something. And lo and behold, it's already played out. So stay tuned. We'll catch you on the other side. Hi, this is Oscar Musabai from Influence Communications. In this age of coronavirus, nothing is more important than keeping your current customers and attracting new ones. And at Influence Communications, we are expert at reaching out to the media and letting them know that your business is open and the services that you provide. And our expertise is in adaptation, helping businesses change their messaging on a regular basis to make sure that they are keeping up with what is happening and what the market is demanding. And we also specialize in reaching out to Spanish language media to get your story out. So please call me, Oscar Musabai, 786-348. Nine two five seven. That's seven eight six three four eight nine two five seven seven eight six three four eight nine two five seven. Thank you. Welcome back to the Kind of Vulture Podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. This is the prediction segment of our podcast, which is the Miami Real Estate and Economic Roundtable. It's a discussion by four uh, four current or former journalists. So what we're going to do for this particular phase is we're going to ask everybody to make a prediction. It could be anything related to real estate, the economy, or possibly even sports. You name it, they're going to make a prediction. We're going to try to hold their feet to the fire if they're wrong. So far, we got a pretty good uh, record of people being right, including... Francisco Alvarado last week predicted that it was going to take the cruise line industry at least another year before they, they were up and things were happening. Lo and behold, I see a story out of USA Today, and it actually was it came out July the 10th. The headline, Carnival Cruise Lines plans a staggered comeback, but they won't return to full capacity until at least 2022. So, Francisco, in my, my mind, that's a win. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I will take it. That's a win on a curve right there. <laughs> Who would like to make their prediction? Who, who, who wants to go first? Well, Francisco <laughs> got such a great prediction last week. Let him go first. <laughs> uh, um, I'll tell you, how about this? The NFL season will, will continue as planned, and the Miami Dolphins will make it to the Super Bowl. <laughs> they will. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but they'll make it. Wow. Don't make it. So, so uh, Francisco, you actually think the NFL, where you have guys next to each other, beating the shit out of each other, blood everywhere, you know they're breathing on each other because if you ever watch all the, any of the old videos, like the Ice Bowl, you yeah. see the people's breath coming out while they're at the line of scrimmage. And all of that particular, or potentially could be uh, causing COVID. You, you actually think they're going to go forward and they're going to they're, they're play a season? Yeah. Wow. Why, why are you so confident? You think that these people are going to have uh, superior testing or you think they're going to get their... Well, I, I just think that, you know, like, I mean, you know, like, I mean, obviously, I mean, we'll see how it goes with the NBA, but if the NBA, if, if the NBA goes off, you know, 
without too many complications, yep. the NFL will figure out something to, to make sure the season goes on. Wow. Wow. Interesting. I have a, spo- a, a sports-related prediction. Maybe I should go next. Yes, please, John. All right. Um, actually, uh, Frank mentioned earlier about uh, Michael Westbrook coming down with the COVID today. Russell. Mm-hmm. Russell. Um, Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry, Russell. And um, mm-hmm. also, you see they were talking about this possibly having an impact on the market in general, and that is if, and I predict this now, the NBA will not have a season this year because of other players, uh, star players getting the COVID, and they shut it down, and as a result, the market, the stock market tanks. They were predicting that that would happen today. So, so John, 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 what's your prediction? Your prediction is the NBA – uh, bubble, the one yep. that we just spent so much time discussing, it's it's actually going to be it's going to get popped. Yes. Huh. Whoa. That's it. In a nutshell. Well, if you guys wow. if you guys do remember back a few weeks ago, I mentioned Major League Baseball would not be able to finish the season. That was my prediction, yes. probably about a month ago or so. I remember yeah, I remember that. Oscar, what's your prediction? What say you? My prediction is that with the Fed working to loosen the rules that. We're put in place after the 2008 crash that banks are going to get in trouble again and we're going to have a, another crisis. Maybe not at the same level 2008, but the banks are going to go wild because Wells Fargo was messing around with opening accounts for customers without their permission after the crash. So if that was going on after the crash with the rules in place, which were weak, and, and some people said it had very little teeth to begin with. You eliminate those rules, and then guess what's going to happen? It's going to be the Wild West again. It's going to be very bad. So I think that that is a, is, a, is a harbinger of bad things to come for the banks and for our economy. Now, that may change if Biden gets into office, but it may not because there are Democrats that allowed that to happen in the first place, which was Clinton, Bill Clinton way back, had loosened the rules for banks, which is how we got into another financial crisis or or related to the tech boom and all these other things. So um, I think there's there's, uh, a lot more pain coming from the banking industry as a result of this. All right. So, so just to recap all the predictions, we have Francisco predicting that the NFL will play an entire season and the Miami Dolphins will make it to the Super Bowl. We have right. John predicting that the NBA attempt at a bubble to secure uh, all its players so that they could, they could play out of playoffs is going to be a, a bubble is going to be popped. And we have Oscar predicting that we're looking at another banking crisis that could be coming out of the pike um, real yeah. soon. Yes. Um, on my side, my prediction will be is that while schools will be open uh, yeah. effectively a month from now in Florida, the end of August, um, I'm predicting less than 50% of the students will actually show up for whatever reason. Parents don't feel like um, it's safe to send them and or um, uh, uh, maybe the children have um, some sort of uh, situation which makes them much more vulnerable. But, but, or, or, or teachers don't actually show up and they d- decide to retire or call in sick and basically not show up at least until January. So I would say that occupancy in school classrooms is going to be less than 50% at least till January. So that would be my prediction. Good one. That would be my prediction. So you listen to kind of vultures podcast. That was the prediction segment. Now, finally, we're going to wrap it up on the, on the other side of the break, we have some comments and um, we're going to go through them and uh, there's going to be a day of uh, reckoning 
for some of our panelists. So stay tuned. Uh, Challenging times for real estate calls for experts that help you to navigate the new normal in the process of buying or selling property in South Florida. At CBA Realty, we listen carefully and advise based on stats, local knowledge, and experience. For more information, call us at 305-865-5859 or visit our website, cbrrealty.com. You listen to the Counter Vultures Podcast. I'm Peter Zalewski. This is the comment section of our podcast. We have on the line, we have Francisco Alvarado, we have Oscar Musabay, we have John Fackler. John, you're, gonna, you're the one who's going to read out the comments. Three comments. I think that's a record for us. If not a record, it's definitely a tie. So um, what's the audience have to say? And if you, member of the audience, if you want to reach out to us, make a suggestion, a criticism, uh, offer anything you want, you can reach us at inquiry at condovultures.com. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. You got the floor, John. Okay. We have uh, our first uh, listener uh, is Benjamin. Benjamin is responding to the podcast, Is It Worth Suing a Miami Developer? for the construction defects in a new condo. And if anybody's interested uh, in that, that's podcast number 20 that came out on Thursday with, um, with Alex Barthet. Yes. And uh, I'd like to read this one word for Ben because it's really uh, uh, well-written and, you know, it's uh, erudite. Uh-oh. Really, uh, yeah, you got to watch. I, I don't want to paraphrase because <laughs> I'll blow it. So um, if you really want a simple line item worth millions in a class action, it's that many apartments I have measured meticulously are not the square footage represented by the developers, mm-hmm. thus reflected in the folio and tax roll. Wow. And, you know, that's important because I know, Peter, you've spoken on this many times yes. in the past. Uh, thus reflected in the folio and tax roll. The catch-22 is most owners don't measure, and if they discover the truth, do not want to whistleblow on this fact as it will directly impact their condo's valuation. In my opinion, this is the most egregious fraud perpetrated on our local landscape. Food for thought. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's a hell of a response. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I always say the condo docs, if you take a look at the condo docs, back in the day, the last cycle, which was 03 to 10, what you found is that the, the, the developers came out and they gave a lot of particulars about a specific condo unit. And it talked about the square footage, talked about a variety of other things. Well, lo and behold, when it, when it came through to fruition, uh, the unit didn't necessarily match what had been recorded with the with the state and the county in terms of the condo declaration. And some would-be buyers, they use that in order to sue to get out. So what the developers did this particular cycle, which began in 11, the developers became very general. Now, if you look at a sketching of a unit in the condo docs, you're going to see there's very little information. And then typically there's two sets of numbers. One will be the architectural numbers. The other one will be the engineered numbers. What's the difference? Architectural is inside of the wall and the engineered is outside of the wall. So basically, if you can paint it um, in your unit, that would be the engineering. And otherwise, everything where the wires are, where you plug in your plug, that would be the architectural. And why is that different? Well, because typically it represents about 8 to 12 percent. So if you're buying a, a unit based on a price per square foot basis, a thousand square foot place at 400 bucks a foot, lo and behold, if it's 10 percent smaller than what you thought it was, you're paying more money than you ever thought you would have. And would you really have signed the contract? Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't, but it'd be better to know going in. I don't know if anybody else has comments. Well, I, I don't know if you guys have, I mean, I think this has been in like, I think um, buyers are getting hit to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a, there's been a number of lawsuits that have come out in the past year. Um, I think that, you know, it's even become kind of a little, a small cottage industry for some lawyers where they're, um, 
where they're you know where they're getting clients who, uh, to file lawsuits against developers over the you know mismarketing uh, of unit sizes. Yeah, and, and if 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 you guys haven't heard the podcast from last week, it's really interesting because uh, the attorney was talking about how effectively every new condo project the developer will be sued and ninety nine percent of them will be settled rather than going to court. So so effectively, what what the attorney said is that the developers know it's par for the course; they're going to get sued. So they put money aside to get the right insurance, and lo and behold, the developer's gone, and the insurance policy pays for uh, uh, settling up with the with the uh, the buyers in the new condominium association. Yeah. John, question or comment number two? Yeah, actually, comment number two um, is from Ilya, one of our regular listeners. Um, it's also related to the same podcast. So, oh, wow. Again, another. Yeah. Um, and his comment is lawyers suing developers. Excellent podcast. So much information and knowledge that was unknown to me. Thank you. Excellent tip on notice of commencement, especially for buyer's education. Um, before I go deeper into his comments, maybe, Peter, you could explain a notice of commencement. Yeah, yeah. But basically, they're in podcast number 20. And that's Alex Barthet. That's the uh, I think the headline is yes. um, uh, of the podcast. It's something to the effect of um, is it worthwhile suing a developer if you get if you're not happy with a condo that you got in terms of from a construction perspective? It's called a construction defect. So the point I was making in that podcast is if you go and you look at uh, a clerk of the court records and there's 67 counties in the state of Florida, if you go to the clerk of the court records, which are online, you want to look for something called an NCO. It's called a notice of commencement. It's effectively a flag that uh, the developer is waving to let the public know that they're going to begin a brand new condo project. And in that notice of commencement, NCO, what you're going to find is you're going to see a dollar value based on a surety bond. So the point I made in the podcast is if you take the number of units and you take the surety bond amount, which covers the construction costs, you can figure out how much a developer is paying to build each door. And then you figure out how much you're paying for a unit and you, you, uh, you minus one from the other and you, you can get a sense of how much a developer is actually looking to make off your particular unit. So I like to tell people going in, a developer's got a 50% profit margin on your particular unit if you're buying a pre-construction. Generally speaking, it blends out to about 30%. But this is a backdoor way to figure out the same sort of uh, point. And that comes from a notice of commencement in the clerk of the court records. Okay. Um, next part of uh, Ilya's comment, this is where he, Ilya takes a bit of a shot, takes a bit of a shot at us. Um, but it's, it's all in good fun. Um, Ilya says it. You might want to make it more interesting with the whole prediction affair, perhaps with betting money against each other. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> or, I like that idea. Or bet with, yeah, or bet with unnecessary, less relevant body parts, extra kidney, pinky toe, etc. At least, <laughs> at least to put the predictions available online to see how great the Faulkner's crystal ball is in the long run. Good point. Yeah. So, so we need some sort of tracker. What you're saying yeah. on a prediction. So when I do the brief, uh, the description of each podcast, I should put everybody's prediction. Yep. Okay. That's it. All right. John, what's podcast number or comment number three? Okay. Um, I don't have the first name, but the gentleman, I don't want to put his last name in here. Okay. Uh, but again, he was also um, uh, commenting positively on uh, the uh, podcast uh we're all we've been talking about with the attorney oh i alex uh, part that podcast number 20 yeah. yeah 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 um 
awesome podcast, probably the best so far. But since my memory span is 15 minutes, <laughs> this opinion might not hold. This opinion might not hold well in the court of law. So, don't know if this is an actual attorney himself, but uh, uh, first name is uh, J O. Was a couple of initials there. J O. Okay. Oh, I got. Well, well, it sounds, it sounds like uh, you know we're making progress, guys. Hey, if you, the audience, if you're interested in reaching out to us, you like what we're doing with these roundtables, you got any suggestions, you want to just comment in general, you can reach us at inquiry at condovultures.com. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com. So I want to thank Francisco Alvarado. I want to thank Oscar Musabai and John Fackler for participating in this roundtable. Be sure to tune in next Tuesday. We're going to have a roundtable discussion again, as well as on Thursday when we do our guest interview. The guest interview this week, this Thursday, which will be July the, uh, what is that, the 15th, guys? 16th. July the 15th, the 16th. um, uh, We're going to have on the former president of the uh, Fort Lauderdale uh, Chamber of uh, Realtors Association. He's going to be talking about what's going on in the Fort Lauderdale market and what's also going on with realtors. Those people who are out there telling you everything is great, sales are continuing. He's going to sort of give us a lowdown on what's really happening. Cool. Anybody want to add anything before we shut this podcast down? Nope. Hearing, nope. hearing nothing. Nope. Thanks, guys. Tune in next week, and uh, we'll have some more interesting um, comments and insights. <laughs>